Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Benjamin Moore and Sherwin-Williams. Welcome to Paint Ed. My name is Torlando. I am your host. Thank you for tuning in today to the show. I've got a special guest on, Mr. Tom Dros with Estimate Rocket. Um, you know, I have been a longtime Estimate Rocket user back in the day. Uh, my previous business, I remember standing on a ladder and thinking to myself, wouldn't it be cool if I could just run my business from my cell phone on top of this ladder? Wouldn't it be cool if I could just do that and not do everything with a freaking yellow notepad and, you know, whatever, whatever I was doing back then? And, and I remember going to a friend of mine and, and saying, hey, uh, he was a programmer. I said, hey, um, I have an idea for an app. I want you to help me build it. And uh, he, he uh, tried to stop himself from laughing at me. And he said in a very kind of respectful and kind way, he said, Torlando, why don't you do a thought experiment? And I said, okay. And he said, if you, if you needed to solve this problem, but you couldn't build an app, you had to find something that already existed, where would you begin? And I said, well, I'd probably just start with a Google search and try to find something that's out there. And, and so he was like, well, I think you should do that. Start there. <laughs> and, and so that's what I did. I, I, I started a little Google search. A couple different apps came up. I found Estimate Rocket. Uh, I got on the call. It was early enough in the days that, that Mr. Drost was doing the sales calls himself. And, uh, and we had a great conversation and we ended up, uh, talking paint business and, um, and, and I remember in those early days, uh, you know, giving a lot of feedback and, and they, they did a great job of incorporating a bunch of ideas. And, and since then, Estra Rock has been a staple of the industry and, uh, and, and I'm excited to have a conversation with Tom today. Um, before we jump into the content of the show, I just wanted to give you a quick, um, a quick update on certain events. So, um, the next event that I'll be at is going to be September 29th down in Orlando, Florida. I'll be at a, at the Spanish speaking conference. Okay. And in Orlando, and there's a, you can find the details of this on PCA ed.org but if you if you are a spanish-speaking contractor or you have a key crew member who speaks spanish and you want to educate them on more of the business side of things i highly recommend coming to orlando 
we've got a great list of presenters, some well-known folks in the industry, some folks that are uh, true practitioners, and it's and it's all going to be in, in the in in your native language of Spanish, and uh, and I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be presenting in Spanish uh, myself. So I'm really looking forward to that. Make sure that you come on out to listen to this show. Make sure that you are downloading it on Spotify, Apple Music, Google, Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can also get the video content at PCA Overdrive. It's an app that you download on your phone. Um, It's equipped with 500 plus hours of video content. It is free with your PCA membership. Um, So make sure that you're a member of the PCA or you can just get it for $5.99 a month. All right. All right. Vibing. Vibing to my own own, uh, intro music right now. I'm just vibing. So, you know, I going back, you know, talking to Tom, it, it uh, brings me back a lot of memories. I, I remember those early days uh, when we were first implementing Estimate Rocket. Part of the challenge that I was going through was that I was starting to grow. I had uh, I was running more than one job site. That was a new thing for me. Um, I was uh, not doing well at it. It was <laughs> it was kind of a catastrophe, and um, and and my you know keeping track of the the list of jobs, um, keeping track of uh, you know who came next, who I haven't called, who what you know bids I need to get out. Uh, I mean, I was up two three in the morning taking my handwritten notes turning into an estimate and sending it out then using you know computer files it was it was a mess and the thing that i was probably most worried about was okay if i need to get if i need to hire a second crew to do more than one job at once how am i going to keep them busy because if i've got two crews going at once now that all of a sudden that shrinks my pipeline in half theoretically and so the concern that i had was am i ready for that big of a leap you know can't can i do this and like i said the first time the first time that i split and did two jobs at once both of them went horrible i mean they they went so bad but I don't think it has to be that way for you. I think that there's a way to uh, learn ahead of experience. You don't have to learn by trial and error. You know, let's let's learn by education and then trial. How about that, right? So let's let's go ahead and and chat with uh, with Tom Drost of uh, Esther Rocket. Let's bring him on to the show. Hey Tom, welcome to Paint Ed. Hey Orlando, great to be here. Absolutely. Very excited. Yeah. So you know, like I like I mentioned, uh, you know, we, we you and I go way back at this point. Uh, uh, you know, I've I, I'll tell you what I think at this point I've told so many people that I had you know some kind of profound impact on Esner Rocket. Validate me, brother. Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, I unquestionably had a great impact on Esma Rocket. I mean, it was really helped me to understand how how painting jobs are are bid and how they're um, uh, 
how to how the production rates would work for those, um, which lent itself to a lot of the things that we did and production rates for other other trades. It's been really great experience. Plus, we had a good we had a lot of fun at that stage because it was kind of a new you know it was a new area for us and oh yeah it, it was a good time. We were all learning and growing and and yeah. you know I think what what was interesting is that you know there were certain ways that I did things that you probably found out that a handful of people do them that way, but then there are a lot of people right. who don't do it that way. And so, you know, there's so many different ways to run a painting company, so many different ways to bid. Um, you know, I, I feel like our, our industry is starting to kind of converge on some type of a standardized methodology, but you know, you, you, you know more than me that it's probably not, we're not that close. <laughs> yeah. There's a long way to go and it, and it's not, it's not a terrible thing. I mean, part of it is people think about things differently. I mean, that's uh, in every trade, by the way, it's not, right. you know, solely related to painting. In fact, in some respects, um, there are, you know, estimating methodologies for painters that are actually a lot more sophisticated than most of the other trades. Um, you know, there's still a lot of to just pure time and materials and a lot of it's not time. It's okay. That's a day and a half. And, you know, I think the materials are going to be a couple of right. bucks kind of. Yeah. You know, so, so a lot of, a lot of guessing, go with it. a lot of guessing yeah. still going on um, everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that, you know, like going back to my, uh, you know, intro here, that, that guessing game, I think that is where we get tripped up, you know, because we, mm -hmm. we don't know what we don't know. Sometimes we're too proud to ask. Um, and so we, we figure out things and we try to we knuckle through it, you know, white knuckle it through it the hard way. Um, but we're really missing an opportunity in refraining from growth or limiting our growth. Um, yeah. And, and, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this. So, so as you've, you know, worked with different contractors over the years, where do you think they struggle the most when trying to make that new hire? Um, Honestly, I think a big part of it is that they don't book themselves out far enough. Mm. You know, if you want to have that comfort level to make that hire, you've got to have a book of business out there that's going to support that without you figuring that the first thing you're going to have to do is fire this person as soon as you just hired them. Right. And that, you know, and that, that throughout your, you know, whole career is a big, becomes a big thing as you grow even more because, again, it doesn't look good to the team when you get a team of, five or 10 or however many people you have and you hire somebody, then you let them go because you didn't get that business booked out in it far enough. That doesn't, that doesn't bode well for the team. The team sees that and goes, Oh, well, gee, you know, are we, are we next? Right. And in reality, he, you just didn't plan well. And right. Right. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, like I said, uh, you know, you, you had a second crew and all of a sudden your, you know, your, your backlog of work gets cut in half. And you're right. cranking through these jobs really fast. And, and if, if you're seeing, if you're looking on the horizon and your, and your crew might not necessarily know that, but you're looking on the horizon, you're like, Oh no, I don't know where, I mean, the lead count is down. You know, I, I don't know where these right. next jobs are coming from. You're going to start making decisions as a, as a leader that reflect your anxiety and, and yeah. people can feel it. They can sense it. Oh yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and it never doesn't... let them see you sweat. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, yeah. So and and a lot of that's out of love. I mean, you care about the people that you hire and people being hired don't think that you care. The majority of business owners and business leaders do care about the people that work with them a lot. You do. Yeah, you you really do. And and the longer you work with folks, the, the more you care because you start getting invited to things, you know, you start, right. you know, being a part of their weddings and their kids' birthday parties and graduation right. parties. You become a part of their lives. They become close friends. And, and the last thing that you want to do is let them down. Um, but I think that in regards to making sure that there's enough runway, I think there are some hurdles in, in the way and, and some, you know, I don't know what it is. It's, it's, you know, maybe like a, a mindset thing where they, you know, they're worried that you're, you're worried that you're not going to get this job if you can't promise that you can get to it soon. Right. And so you right. want, you gotta, you know, yeah, you got to change that whole, the whole mental thought process of I'm going to, uh, this has got to become part of my strategy yeah. in order to, in order to book out farther, it just becomes another, another piece in my playbook or my pitch or whatever you want to call it for the way you present to customers and, and learn about, you know, some don't, don't care if it's a month or two out and some do, and, right. you, and you get to weigh that, but, you know, I'm going to guess, especially if you have a good reputation that there's going to be a lot fewer people that are going to care about whether it's this month or next month or even the month after that. Sure. Then they're not. Yeah, that's that's a really great point. I, I mean, how would you kind of overcome that that mental hurdle of of being afraid that they're not going to go with me because I'm too booked out? Yeah, I think I think a, a big part of it is just knowing that if you don't do that, you're not gonna you're never gonna get anywhere if you don't somehow get enough resources to get out of the state you're in where it's just you and maybe one or two teammates even, you're never going to get past that if you can't get the mindset to, to book out and to, and to get your sales out in advance. It's kind of funny because once, once you get to a bigger size, that's all just part of the whole deal. I mean, you're totally. constantly booking those sales out and planning them and, and knowing and depending on them and running your, all of your staffing around that. But it's yeah. in the early stages where that is really it is it is complicated. It's a leap for sure. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I I I can empathize with that. I I think that in the past I haven't. I'm I'm recalling a, 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 an experience I had several several years ago, where um, I don't know we had a we had a backlog of you know about thirty jobs or so, which you know for mm-hmm. some for some people. A backlog of 30 jobs is that's not that many. And then for some right. that that'd be like, holy cow, how do you how do you deal right. with that? Right. And uh, and and I, you know, that to me, that's that's not that, you know, it's it was right. it's pretty doable, you know. Um, but I remember this uh, this other painter coming into my shop and asking me for help because he felt overwhelmed with the amount of work that he had ahead of him and he you know knew that i had the crew and and he was just hoping that i could you know throw him a bone and help him get through this backlog and i said well how many how many jobs do you have and he said well i've got you know one big project that is for sure going through and then i've got two others that boy if they go through i'm I'm gonna be in trouble so (laughs) so he had a backlog of about (laughs) two jobs 
and and not three months no not three months three jobs and i you know i just i kind of sloughed him off i was like i i I really can't help you i mean i i I probably have 30 in the tank i don't know you know and and you know i wasn't empathetic enough to be honest because because he uh, i found out like maybe a year or two later he was he was pretty miffed that I sloughed him off and, and I, that wasn't my intention. You know, I'm not ever trying to slough anybody off, but I was just, I was just being realistic. I was like, well, I, you know, you'll get through it, you know, you'll get through it. But at, at the core, when you don't, when you are pen and paper and when you are doing things, just kind of, you know, one step at a time, you know, shooting from the hip, um, three good sized jobs, you know, let's say they're, you know, 10, $15,000 jobs and it's just you or you and one other guy that does seem that can be intimidating. And if you can't get through it, you know, cause the thing is, is maybe I had the ability to get through those 30 jobs within two months, but if he didn't have the ability to get through those three jobs before winter in their exterior, then he's out of luck. So, so the problem is still real, you know, and, 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 and I, you know, at that time I knew I needed, I, I learned that I really needed to yeah. be, you know, empathetic to that struggle. And so I think some people listen to this, they may look at people online who they are very willing to throw out all their big, you know, crazy numbers and make you feel like, you know, like you're a little booger. <laughs> it's not true. You know, <laughs> it's not true. You know, you, you have so much, um, but, but you do need a little bit of, of uh, assistance and just learning what to do with that backlog. So that creating that backlog, I think can be scary, but what you're saying, Tom, is that you just kind of have to get used to the idea that you were going to have a wait list. And and what I would add to what you said, because one of the things that you said that I thought was really, um, that was really key is that, um, you know, when you, when you have a wait list, it is because you have a good reputation and it's a signal of having a strong reputation and that the reputation will make people willing to wait for you. And what I would, what I would add to that is that when you have a backlog, it also allows you to be more selective in your sales mm-hmm. process and not selective in the sense that you're actually going to pick and choose, but selective from the standpoint of an attitude. Um, mm-hmm. having a, a selective attitude is, is a secret weapon in sales. And, and when you're acting or selling out of desperation or fear, or you need this job, people can sense that. And, and it's really a turnoff. So, so it allows you to be selective, which, yeah. I, which I think is a really, really beautiful thing. Make, makes me think of the velvet rope story. You know, which, which club do you want to go into? The one with the velvet rope where people are having to wait to get in? Right. Or do you want to go to the one where they're just streaming in? Right? That's right. Ooh, I want to go to that club. That's, yeah, you know? exactly. It, it's a good, it's, it's good to have a confident, not cocky or, you know, nasty or anything, but it is good to have a confident attitude. You need to be confident in the product that you know you're going to deliver. And that definitely, just like the on the bad side, you know, letting your feelings out sometimes of your paranoia and mm-hmm. you know, scared of being at the top is, you know, you, you can't let that kind of feelings out for the customer either. They need to see that you're confident and, you know, know that your reputation is earned and you can do that really with your, with your attitude. Yeah. A yeah. really good point. Yeah. I love that. And so I think, I think that that courage and that I can do this, you know, 
uh, attitude is, is kind of the first step. But after that, I, there is some nuts and bolts to this. Like, how do we, once we do actually have this backlog, like, what do we, how do we keep track of it? What do we do? Yeah. Well, you, you either need a, a spreadsheet or a really good yellow pad, which I don't recommend, <laughs> or, or a project management system to handle it, to manage those, to manage a couple of things. Because one of the things that you need to know is you need to know your backlog. You need to know how much work that involves, whether you want to count it in days, weeks, hours, whatever you want to count it in. You know, what's this time scope that I've already filled? Um, and you need to know its value. Because right. if you don't know its value, you can say, oh, I have 30 jobs. Well, that's great, but they're all for 250 bucks. That's not right. really going to help you get to your goal. And that, you know, along with the whole backlog concept helps you, does help give you the confidence to build things up. And it also lets you know which jobs to push out and which jobs to accelerate. Right. Because now as you get this balance of work and you know roughly when this work is going to occur, now you can start saying, okay, hey, good. I'm doing really good, but I, I need a filler like three weeks from now. That's, you know, three or four days. So if I come out to someone now in, on a lead and talk to them and it's a small job and they're flexible and when we can do it, boom, book that job and, you know, fill that hole that you have. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's sometimes there are paper workflows to this day that still makes sense, especially yeah. at certain levels. Um, you know, there's also whiteboard, you know, work I've, I've seen people, yeah. you know, throw up a whiteboard and, and, and they, you know, keep track of their things that way. Um, I think that that's hard to sustain as you continue mm -hmm. to scale. If your backlog is, right. is of a certain level, you know, I think, I think that's doable. Um, but I, I do think that you want to, you know, upgrade at, at some point. Yeah. And, and there was a, there's a, a, a tech CEO that, that, uh, you know, would comment on this and I've mentioned it on the show cause I like it so much. It's this mm -hmm. idea of the ones and threes of business that, you know, you get to your first $100,000 and the yeah. systems and the processes that you used at that stage, pretty simple, pretty basic, probably a lot of stuff is up here in, in the head. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can, you can do your first hundred thousand that way pretty, pretty easily. But to get to your next, the, the three, the 300,000, uh, mm -hmm. now you're going to start needing a little more, you know, a little more process in there, maybe some tools, that kind of thing. But you're still not going to need the same types of tools and systems that somebody would at the next one, which is the one million mark. So from the 300,000 to a million, the way that your processes and systems need to change um, they, you know, you, you have to make sure that you're adjusting to that and realizing and recognizing that you're going to continue to have to do that as you continue to scale and, and grow bigger. Um, you know, you go to the next 3 million and, and, uh, lo and behold, the stuff that got you to a million, uh, that's not working either. So it's a, just kind of this vicious cycle. Hey folks, quick little break here in the show. I just wanted to uh, mention to you guys that I have, uh, you know, my book on Amazon. I've told you this uh, about this. But I just wanted to tell you about another resource that I've put out, which is Craftsman Painter YouTube channel, where I'm actually teaching the Sprint OS. Go there, subscribe, uh, and uh, tell me what you think. And uh, hey, let's get back to our show.
All right, Tom. So we were uh, chatting about this idea of building a backlog so that we can have the confidence to add that extra hire. And not only does it give us the does the confidence come to give us an extra hire, but it, it sounds like that confidence is also giving us the ability to even sell better because we're able to be more selective. We'll be able to, to be more sure, but that kind of falls apart when we don't have a methodology of tracking it. Right. Um, you know, if we, if customers are emailing us in the middle of the night saying you ran off with my money where I haven't heard from you in two months, not good. <laughs> not good. So, <laughs> so what, uh, what, what words of, of wisdom and, and, and advice can you give us for managing that backlog? Yeah, I think, um, I think you, you have to, you know, at a minimum, you have to get a spreadsheet, you know, Google Sheets um, kind of become my favorite spread. Used to be total Excel guy, but I <laughs> crossed over to Google Sheets now. That's, that's my go-to. All right. Um, and, and ideally, depending upon where you're at in your process, it's time to start thinking about a system to keep track of it, a project management system. Um, or CRM type system, but mm -hmm. project management actually ends up being more of what you need than CRM necessarily. Um, you need both at some right. point, but early on when you're really trying to get a handle on it, you need to know what do I have queued up and when are they happening um, and, and be able to keep track of that and value yeah. them because the yeah. valuation of what you've got booked is really critical too. Yeah, because it's because it's all about the schedule. And and I remember being at a at a roundtable discussion in one of the old uh, PCA chapters. Um, and we were we were going to discuss scheduling and I'll never I'll never forget um, Dave Riker, the legendary Dave Riker. I said, Dave, what do you do for for scheduling? You've been in the business a long time. And, and he just, you know, he just put his hands over his eyes like this and then. <laughs> He just mimicked throwing a dart at a dartboard, <laughs> and uh, and I I laughed because because that's what it feels like, you know. Sometimes, especially yeah. when you you know have exterior projects in the mix, um, mm -hmm. but I think the the big thing that um, you know the, the one of the bigger revelations for me, and this actually came uh, back when we were you know working closely together because it it, it yeah. ended up being a feature that I requested. I remember talking to my crew and saying, hey, we're not doing well on these jobs. Why, why is it that we're, you know, going over on the hours and, and, and all this? Right. And he says, well, I think that from my perspective, you told us that we had until, you know, Friday. So or or maybe you didn't even tell us. And so we're just doing a good job making sure that it's done right. But we don't have an idea of when these jobs mm. are supposed to finish. And that's when I came to you and I was like, Hey, can we get the the tool to just tell us how many hours are in this right. line item? You know, <laughs> right. you're like, Oh, that'd be right. a good idea. I was key. Yeah. <laughs> cause, cause you guys, you guys have to have a target and you have to have the idea right. of, you have to have a good idea of, of how long it's going to take. Um, so, so give us, you know, how do, how do we figure that, that whole piece out? Yeah, that gets, um, that gets to be more that you need more and more 
uh, systems for, I think. Um, it's hard to do that. You could create a spreadsheet to do it. And again, even a spread, even with a spreadsheet, it's better than nothing. But you, you have to either by tool or by knowledge have a way to, to estimate your hours. And um, I know you have a, 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 a point system that you use that, but ultimately all those systems do boil down to, you know, some sort of timing, you know, how many hours it's going to take. Cause that's really the end of the day, that's what you're selling. And, yeah. and I know I've been in, in my bit, when I started my business, whew, I don't even want to tell you how many years ago that was, I was selling my hours as two. It was the same sort, it's the same sort of business and going out and worried about my backlog and knowing that if I don't build a backlog, I'm, I'm just going to be by myself forever. That's right. So, and that actually programming is really a ton of fun to try to estimate how many hours it's going to take because, quite honestly, it's virtually impossible. I mean, yeah. any time I've ever tried to estimate something for programming, there was because there's no, it's not, um, it's not really processified. There's no set process for writing a program because you don't know what it's going to do yet. It's like right. you have no, you know, standards or specs for it. I mean, and it can be done, but it's really complex and it's still hard to grab. But fortunately, you know, painting and, and many of the other trades have, do have that, um, that you can, you can do the, you know what it takes. You can calculate and do time studies to figure out. And you were a big proponent of that. I know when mm -hmm. we met, mm -hmm. um, time studies are huge. I mean, and you can figure out how long it should take. Um, and I think that the power of the system that you're using, the point system, um, is that it doesn't, it kind of neutralizes the, the who's doing it until you're ready to actually assign it in terms of the points. So that exactly. helps. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I learned a lot for, from my time in software and, and you're, you're not mm -hmm. kidding. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really difficult to, uh, you know, bid out a, a, a software project, sure. which I was doing that, you know, I was like went yeah. from bidding paint jobs to bidding software projects and, <laughs> oh, and, the, and the programmers are looking at me like I'm crazy. And, uh, and, and, and I was, you know, I was crazy for doing that. But, uh, but what I learned and, and what I've then brought back to painting and which was, which should have been so obvious was that in programming, just like in painting, different programmers, different painters can do the same tasks at different speeds. Right. And, and there is there up to, up to what I've developed. I, I haven't seen anything to recognize and acknowledge that fact. Um, and so when I, when I started learning, uh, you know, through the software uh, uh, development and through the process of, of scrum is that mm -hmm. when you allocate, points to the project rather than a specific set number of hours that you can say to a painter okay here's here's this task it it's mm. eight points and the individual painter is going to know because you're going to do some time tests you're going to track them you're going to assess their ability that painter is going to know okay i'm an apprentice and i am expected to do eight points in a day and so i should be able to mm -hmm. do eight point i should get this done by the end of the day Whereas right. the person who's training him, the more advanced person, is probably painting circles around him, probably twice as fast. And mm -hmm. you give him the same eight points and how much and how much time should he do it in? Half the time, four hours. And so right. the, pr the production rate then becomes 
tailored to the individual and the individual mm -hmm. is shooting for a certain time. So I'm trying to do two points per hour, whereas my journeyman's trying to do 1.5 points per hour and the apprentice mm -hmm. is trying to do one point per hour, but it's, it's all tailored. And, right. and so it's, it's a little more sophisticated and, and, you know, I think for the, for the listener, who's probably going from, you know, in this case, in this episode, who's, who's going from, okay, I've got a list of five jobs. Uh, that's a lot for me. You know, it, it, it might be a little mm -hmm. bit, you know, of a, you know, stepping stone to get there. Sure. Um, but I'm just planting seeds is all I'm doing, Tom. <laughs> planting seeds for my my doctrine of the point system absolutely <laughs> no and and fundamentally as long as you as it ultimately comes back to hours and you know what those ratios are it it well, works it and it's a yeah. and it's a less and in some respects it's a less scary model like oh yeah. an hour well i know that's exact whereas if you boil it into points they know okay a point i'm supposed to do a point a day or a half a point or 10 points a day, whatever right. my point rate is. So it's almost like the production rate is person-based instead of yes. uh, work-based. Exactly. Exactly. And so what's, what's been, in there? what's been so cool about that is that I've been able to say, okay, I've got, you know, my, my lead painter here who could do 14 points and I've got his assistant who could do, uh, you know, nine points in a day. And so, mm -hmm. you know, together they could do 23 points. And then if I, so if I have a job that has, uh, you know, let's say 115 points, then I know that together mm -hmm. they're going to be able to do that in five days. So you're right. It right. does boil down to time. It all comes back to time and having a system and a method uh, for predicting that. And the predictability right. is, is so difficult because at the end of the day, it's people out there and they're not machines and you can't, they're not like little wind up toys and you, you say, okay, well, this, you know, this little wind-up toy, if I wind them up five times, they'll be able to go. It's not like that. They're people. Like you, you have to, <laughs> you actually have to manage them and encourage them and motivate them and right. hold them accountable. You, you know, that's, right. that's half of it. The other half is having, having this kind of the system and methodology. Um, right. You mentioned before the show, you, you mentioned this idea of, um, being able to keep your promises to your customers. Mm. And I, I think this is, this is so critical and this is where it gets down to why do I need to have a system in place? Why do I need to, right. you know, research and put the effort into yeah. figuring out some type of production model? Because at the end of the day, yeah. you're making promises to your customer, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you, you know, if you're making that promise that, we're going to be there this week or we're going to be done in this week. And you don't really have a grip on how your other jobs are flowing and what, what, you know, what it's going to take to complete those. You're going to be constantly overrunning or underrunning. I mean, underrunning can be as bad as overrunning because you're still going to be paying folks to do work. And if you, you know, you, you, you're underrunning constantly, then there's nothing for them to do. It's like the guys, Oh, no, no, we thought we had till Friday. So, you know, we're just kind of hanging out, making sure it's perfect. Well, right. That's good. Um, but then, you know, the flip side of that is motivating them to, okay, well, if you can get, if you do get that done in six points instead of eight points, then there's, you know, that could potentially go into some sort of a bonus system to help them, you know, to, to compensate them for overperform, you know, overperform. That's right. That's right. That's right. I, I like that. I like that a lot. 
So, so then you mentioned, you know, because before the show, we, you know, had a little conversation and, and, sure. and you mentioned another idea that I thought was really interesting is then taking all of these methodologies and the, these ways of doing it and then incorporating it into the sales process, mm. which I thought was really interesting. Can you, can you yeah. elaborate a little bit more on, on what you mean by that? Sure. Well, and as you're, as you, again, as you start to book out more than your personal capacity, you're going to have, um, you're going to have holes and you're going to have gaps and, and learning to fill those gaps is a really key thing because that's going to help max. It's going to a, it's going to have your team members getting paid for a full week. If they're hourly, instead of them only getting 30 hours and they're expecting to feed their family on 40 hours, right. it's going to help maximize that. And you're going to get, you get, you know, you're going to earn revenues. Yeah you know, as long as they're working and you're going to pay them, you know, as long as they're working. So that, that all works out. There's no downside to that, but um, incorporating it in your sales pitch really becomes partly, okay, here's my schedule. Before I go into my presentation, I can be looking at my schedule and seeing what I've got and evaluating, you know, what this job's going to mean in terms of you know, how long it's going to take. It can give you the ability to easily say, um, you know what? I can't do that for a month. Or it could be, hey, you know what? I can actually do that job next week for you if you want. Right. And right. and it gives you, again, like you said earlier, the confidence thing is huge. It gives you the confidence because you, you're probably going to get the job either way. If they do it earlier, who knows? You might be able to charge a little more if you're doing it earlier for them. Right. You know, there's right. a lot of dynamics that you get in there. But overall, that that confidence of, hey, I have some flexibility now. Ideally, I want to keep my schedule booked out with with work. So I need to know where my holes are so that I know how to fill them and make sure I'm keeping everybody productive. Yeah, exactly. And and that was one of the, when I first started hiring salespeople, you know, a handful of years ago, that was one of the things that I learned real quickly that they needed to know was when can I book this job, you know, and, right. and without having that centralized system of, okay, right. we can all go to the calendar, we can all go to the list and yeah. see that source of truth of, what does our availability look like? What do our pockets look like? Right. And I actually ended up needing to enable our salespeople to uh, have a, a a say on the schedule because right. that that meant that they could close the deal. You know, if if they right. if they didn't have that lever to pull to say, okay, we've got yeah. a pocket here. Can I if 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 we can get you here? Can I sign you? Um, it, right. it, it, it impacted their closing ratio. And so very it, powerful tool. It, it really is. And, and to your credit um, of bringing up like the, the idea of, Hey, you know, we can maybe play around with pricing here. I'm, I am a, an advocate for uh, you know, what, what they call uh, in, uh, in B school is third degree price customization. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> the, the the idea here is that you know you identify different groups of people and right. you assign different prices based off of what they're doing and so a, right. a classic example of that in in our industry would be um you know let's say somebody who's getting to, to move you know if somebody's getting ready mm -hmm. to move um, right. what you might do is you might, if you're in moving season, you might schedule pockets of availability so right. that when they say, Hey, I've got a tight deadline. I got to move. I'm moving in 10 days. You mm -hmm. can say, okay, well, I've got a slot 
but it's you know it's gonna right. cost you basically you know i mean you do right you probably wouldn't tell right. them that, but you would you would mark not up quite those price. words but yeah <laughs> but you you would be able to mark it up because you know right. that it's urgent for them and if right. it's moving they're not going to be able to find another painter and so right. so you can you can increase your price there but then you might take a look at somebody who maybe they're um, maybe they're an older couple and, um, you know, they're they're retired and they uh, are used to getting their, you know, senior citizen discounts. Um, right. But they're also probably not in the biggest rush, um, which means that you can move them to the winter, you know, or the slower right. season. And you can right. say, hey, I got a senior discount for you. Um, now we right. now we're booked up until you know, exactly. Yeah. November, but that's when we can do it. Right. right. And that's that beauty of booking out. I mean, I think a lot of people are very worried to do that in some respects, but it just, it, it really opens you up to so many opportunities by doing that. Cause you, now you've got, you know, instead of three months out filling a hundred percent of the jobs, you might only be filling 10% of the jobs for that, you know, for the rest of that month, just really right. expand your capabilities. Exactly. We talked to uh, at one of the um, seminars. We talked to um, it was a roundtable, and I was one of the one of the fellows was presenting, and he said we're booked up for. He was concerned about hiring people, hiring more people, and he said, "Well, we're booked up for the entire year." And I and I and I I didn't want to laugh, but I felt like, "Geez, you're worried about hiring? You've got you've got work booked out for an entire year." Yeah. That you know man, you have the biggest opportunity for growth you can possibly imagine. There, totally. Right? You can't yeah. lose. There are going to be so few people who are going to say, oh, no, you can't do that job earlier. <laughs> <They're> gonna, <laughs> yeah. People are going to be like, yes, yes, you know, I'll pay more if you do it sooner. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it just was, a, but you got to have that mindset that it's, you know, that it's safe to do and that it, you're not going to, it's not going to be the end. It's going to be the beginning of something really powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so Tom, if, if we get this, you know, backlog management, right, if we really kind of nail it, what, what will our life look like? Um, occasional dinner with the kids around the table, uh, <laughs> a week, a Saturday or a Sunday off, maybe, you know, um, and also the ability to build something that's going to be greater than you over the coming years so that right. you will have something that helps your family live a good life that they, that you want to have for them. Um, and it helps your team members. It helps your community. I mean, it, it opens you up to so many things and even the opportunity to someday have either a company to sell or to sell to your kids or, a, you know, the opportunity to retire. And actually continue to live the life that you that you've built. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a pretty good ending, I I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Well, Tom, this has been a, a great conversation. Um, I know that you guys have a, a special uh, a special tool. Why don't you tell us just a little bit sure. about Asmer Rocket, and then and then tell us about the tool that you're you're giving us today. Sure. So Asmer Rocket is an end to end solution. It, enable service contractors to run their businesses efficiently and not worry about technology as much, but worry about customers and the work to be done. That's really what we want you to be able to focus on. Um, we, this tool that we developed was really, 
it, it, it's a forecasting tool. And it really is all about what we're talking about now is being able to quickly look at some numbers and be able to say, oh, okay, if I add a person, here's what it means. And not just from a cost standpoint, but from a potential revenue standpoint. And I call it the what if uh, spreadsheet. Chris came mm -hmm. up, Chris, Chris Shank came up with that name. Yep. And it stuck. But basically it lets you put in your number of work of, of uh, production employees. You can put yourself in there if you're still a production employee. You can put yourself mm -hmm. in as one point as a point five if you, you know, hired some people and moved back. And then, you know, the total number of people you have, um, do they do you give them paid vacation? How many productive hours, billable hours a week will they have versus how many they'll be paid? What is your average labor rate? Now I know that's not, you know, you're gonna have different labor rates in your team. Sure. Uh, I advocate coming up with that average rate because at the end of every week, you're going to pay X hours and it's going to come out to that average rate because it, you just look at your payroll once every uh, once a quarter or uh, once a quarter is usually good and divide your you know hours paid by the by the amount of dollars. And that's a good working number for you to know, OK, that's my cost. That's also my nut that I know I have to pay every every week. Mm hmm. So you fill those in, um, you can fill in a, like a percent, an average percentage of materials uh, and the cost, average cost of materials. And with those three or four numbers, it'll basically tell you what your potential revenue is for labor and materials um, and what your costs are, what your direct costs will be. And so therefore what your gross profit is. And the cool thing is you can go, once you get that set up, it's going to probably take you an hour to set that up and go grab some of the numbers that you need. Mm -hmm. um, once you have it set up, then there's another column that can mirror the first column and you can play around with different numbers and the big one. So the hourly rate, our hourly charge rate is a big one. That's so much fun, right? Um, you, you can uh, say, Hey, okay, I'm charging 50 bucks an hour right now. What if I charge 55 or 60? Right. You will be amazed as you watch the tune, the numbers at the bottom of this thing go, oh, wow, that's significant because all these things get multiplied by 1700 hours, you know, mm -hmm. per person mm -hmm. per year. Mm -hmm. uh, and people go, wow, that's a lot. I, I could raising your price two dollars an hour. It's significant. Yeah, absolutely. So see, anyway, I get excited about it. Yeah. To be able to see that stuff quickly <laughs> and, and go, wow, that's that's, you know, good stuff to have. Absolutely. So, no. Oh, you're good. You're good. No, I think there's some of the more analytical uh, minds out there going to go to town on this thing. So um, now this now this is what's cool about this is that this is a, a spreadsheet template. And if, you, if you've got Google or if you've got Excel, you could download this. You can you can mess around with it. Right. And so go to estimaterocket.com backslash what what if download to download the free template. Um, really cool. Uh, Tom, this has been a good episode. I am uh, really glad to have had you on. Um, I'm going to send us out in the outro, but please stick on afterwards. We'll chat. Sure. Um, but I Sounds appreciate good. you being on the show. Absolutely a pleasure, Trilano. All right. There was Tom Dros from Estimate Rocket. Uh, really great conversation. Uh, honestly, um, kind of a surprising conversation. You know, I would assume that you know somebody being from estimate rocket we talk about estimating but we were talking about backlog and i love backlog the reason that i love backlogs ultimately and this is this is kind of my as i kind of 
digest the conversation that we just had. The backlog represents security, not just for you, but for your team. Um, you know, what's been interesting this year as the economy has kind of cooled down a little bit. I think that there are a lot of painting companies who have who overhired the season and who who thought that, you know, we were going to have this, you know, the same exact type of, uh, you know, turnout in terms of work that we did last year. Um, things have been cooling a little bit. It's not been bad, but it's just not been as like easy. And so I've actually been getting, you know, applicants who are looking for jobs because their employer is not keeping them busy, right? And your people sense that, right? They they sense that they the writing is on the wall for them, and so the so the backlog and and being able to maintain that it represents security. Second thing that I think it represents to me is peace of mind, because because I know that if I've maintained my backlog well enough, if I've every two weeks sent out some reminders to my the people the customers on the wait list hey we haven't forgot about you this is where we're at um i'm preemptively communicating to them telling them you know you're on my mind that reduces the number of emails that i get saying have you thought about us have you do you remember us right that reduces the number of text messages hey i haven't heard about you are we are we on the job we've been waiting for you know x number of days when you maintain a clean backlog, your your life is a lot easier. Thank you for uh, this episode. Uh, thank you, thank you to Tom for being on with Estimate Rocket. Um, very proud to have them as industry partners. The PCA, make sure that you check them out. Thank you to the PCA for producing this show. Um, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I got many more shows to come. Real exciting backlog of shows. Keep listening in. Make sure you're subscribed. This has been Painted. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.